This is episode number 37 with AJ Jacobs. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea. Totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Hey, greats. Thanks so much for tuning in today again. Really appreciate you guys. And I hope you enjoyed the last episode with Chris Lee. Such an awesome time having him on and talking about really how to visualize and achieve all of your dreams. And today I've got a very special guest. His name is AJ Jacobs. He is the editor at large at Esquire magazine and also the author of four, count them, four New York Times bestsellers. Really funny, really a funny guy. Uh, I met him recently at a speech that we were both talking at in Toronto and uh, was cracking up the entire time he was on stage. Really intellectual and funny at the same time and an amazing writer. Uh, so I'm very excited to bring him on, but I want to share the quote of the day that I think is going to be great for this episode. And it's by Naveen Andrews saying, if you don't take the chance to live life, what can you say at the end of it? I think it's interesting because a lot of people I see don't take chances. They're not going after their dreams. They're not living to the fullest. They're not going after anything because they're afraid to fail or they're afraid to get hurt. And what I've seen, which is really cool about what AJ has done, he's taking on life to the extremes and in his books, he, uh, he goes to the extremes with all these experience. He's like a human guinea pig with his experience living to this extreme with health and fitness, with the mind, with the spirit, with everything. He goes there and he documents them and journals them and writes about his process. So I'm very excited to introduce you to AJ and talk about these experiments and exercises and really how he's living to the fullest, going all out every day. Uh, practicing what he preaches in his writing. And it's very cool. He's got some interesting stories he's going to share with you about how to maximize the mind, the body, and the spirit, but also how he's done it in a, a funny way as well. So I'm very excited about that. With that, guys, 
let's get into this episode with the one and only AJ Jacobs. Hey everyone, thanks again for tuning in to the School of Greatness. I've got my man AJ Jacobs with me. How's it going, AJ? Good. Thank you for having me, Lewis. Love it. I am very excited to have you on here because you're one of the funniest guys I've ever heard speak uh, at a conference. Oh my goodness! And, uh, <laughs> that puts the that puts the you got to say I'm not interesting at all, so I can surprise. <laughs> exactly. Set the expectation low. No. Yeah. Uh, we met at uh, Mastermind Talks, actually, which was in Toronto, and uh, you were one of the most memorable speakers for me because of your humor and uh, because of what you represent and what you stand for, which is, for me, excellence and greatness. And you've been on these journeys, I would say, these adventures where you've dived deep into understanding yourself on multiple levels, right? right? Right. And thank you for those kind words. That oh. is, I loved your talk as well. So I appreciate it. right back at you. I appreciate it. And what you've worked on is really kind of the key areas of life. What it looks like to, from my point of view is your body uh, right. and health. You've also worked on your mind and um, your intellect. And then you've worked on your spirituality. Right. And you've, yeah, I have done a lot of self-improvement because right. I, I needed a lot of improvement. I was, uh, I was quite the fixer-upper. I still am. Now, why did you need a lot of improvement? What was, what was happening for you to be like, okay, I'm going to dive into all these areas of my life? Well, uh, I'll just take it one at a time. I mean, the, <laughs> there's the spirituality, and that came about because I grew up with no religion at all. As I say in the book, I'm Jewish, but I'm Jewish in the same way the Olive Garden is Italian. Right. But I, wait, no offense, the Olive Garden's a great restaurant. But I wanted to, uh, I wanted to learn about the Bible, so I thought one way to do it would be to dive in and live it and and follow it uh, as closely as possible. Follow all the hundreds of rules that are in the Bible and see what it really said. Uh, and that's what I like to do with all of my experiments. Dive in and just do it and live it from the inside out and then report back in my books and articles. Now, the spirituality side of things, did you feel like growing up that you didn't have a belief system or you didn't believe in anything? Well, I definitely did not have a belief system. And uh, I wanted to see, I had kids, I wanted to see if uh, there was anything I was missing. And I'm actually, after the experiment, I lived... A for a year uh, by the Bible. I'm not religious in the traditional sense, but there are things about religion that I really like and that I've taken away. Uh, the community, the importance of having a strong support community, that's great. The idea of gratitude, that's awesome. Uh, and, uh, and they do have some good ethical ideas. I mean, uh, I would say, you know, seven or eight of the Ten Commandments are spot on. <laughs> What are the ones? That, what are the ones that are not spot on? <laughs> well, not the. Uh, I think killing. That's that's pretty good. Adultery, pretty good. Uh, coveting. I think you need a little bit of coveting in life, but not too much, because you want to have some ambition. Uh, but I guess coveting is when you go overboard, and and all you think about is is what you want, and what not what other people want. So that's the key. You got to think about yourself, but also about others. 
Mm. I think it's a, you know, like whenever I fly, they say, put your own mask on first before you assist others. And it's, I think it's true. You've got to fill up your tank, your energy, your needs first before you can really serve others. If you're always, putting, right. if you're always putting, if you're always putting others before you, then you're going to feel empty and unfulfilled. And well, and, I'll tell you one thing I've learned just from reading and from living is, is that the happier I am, the more willing I am to help others. Mm. If I'm in a very, uh, bitter or um, uh, selfish place, then I'm not going to be helping others. So to me, working on yourself is actually the same as working on the community because you feel better and and you're more generous. Mm, I want to talk about gratitude. So something you said you learned from, you know, following the Bible to the T was gratitude. That was one of the main things you said. So why is gratitude so important for, for you, for me, for everyone? Well, I think it's the one, it's like psychologists talk about it like it's the wonder drug. And I believe that. Uh, I mean, it is like it's better than Paxil and Prozac and any of that stuff. Because if you, um, what I did, the Bible said to be grateful all the time. So I tried to take that literally. So I was giving thanks like every minute of the day. I would press the elevator button and I'd be thankful that the elevator arrived and opened the doors. Then I'd get in the elevator and I'd be thankful it didn't plunge to the basement and break my collarbone. So it was weird. Hundreds of things a day. You were It was nonstop. But you start to realize, you start to have this switch in perspective that there are hundreds of things that go right every day. Mm. And we focus on the three or four that go wrong. And that can be a real problem for our psychological state. And, you know, right now I'm thankful. I can't believe that this, uh, that this audio system is working. That's a lovely little minor miracle. (laughs) Uh, you know, you, you were talking about your, your view. Uh, so it is, uh, being thankful for those little things really makes a big difference. Now, did you notice a shift in your energy and your passion for life and for your love for other people in general once you started to be thankful hundreds or thousands of times every day based on what we were doing the rest of your life beforehand? Absolutely. And it's also like when I was doing little small things like having a meal, you know, I would be thankful for the guy who grew the the farmer who grew the the chickpeas and be thankful for the the driver who drove the truck to the store and the cashier so you start to realize you know everyone is involved when you're eating something it's not just you it's like a whole community was involved and uh, and i think that that's a great outlook I am also very thankful that I don't have to follow all the rules of the Bible <laughs> because I did that for a year and there are some that are just crazy like Tell you me know about for, them. well there's the the classic uh, you, you can't shave the corners of your beard and I didn't know where the corners were so I just let the whole thing grow uh-huh. and I looked like you know Ted Kaczynski I looked I uh, <laughs> to give you a sense I spent a lot of time at airport security I wow. really did I would get grilled. And then uh, there was ones uh, in the uh, Hebrew scriptures, they talk a lot about stoning adulterers. And I uh, I felt that if I was going to do this, I should at least try to stone one adulterer. No way. And I <laughs> did. You well, did not I was, throw stones at someone. I, I did. Oh. I did. They were... <laughs> 
Well, I'll tell you how it happened. I was in the middle of the year and I was really getting into it. So I had on my robe and my sandals and, and my beard. And this guy came up to me and said, why are you dressed like that? And I said, well, I'm trying to follow all the rules of the Bible from the Ten Commandments to stoning adulterers. And he said, well, I'm an, an adulterer. Are you going to stone me? And I said, well, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, <laughs> And I took out a handful of stones because I had been carrying stones around waiting for just this moment. And I showed them to him and they were small, pebble size. Not, they weren't going to hurt him too much. He was very aggressive. He grabbed the stones out of my hand and threw them at my face. Wow. So I thought, yeah, I know. I was surprised. So uh, an eye for an eye, I, I tossed one back at him. And, and that's how I checked it off the list. Uh, so that, I'm very grateful. Very grateful I don't have to do all the things in the Bible. And that is one of the big lessons from that year, is that, that you have to engage. You have to pick and choose which are the good parts of the Bible and which are not. And, and some people disagree with that. They say, that's just cafeteria religion. You're just picking parts out that you like. And I always say... What's wrong with cafeterias? I've had great meals at cafeterias. That's what life is about, is choosing the right thing. You know, you've mm. got to roll up your sleeves. I like it. So what's the, what's your, has your belief system changed since going through that year of research and, and practice to not have, well, believing in religion to now having some other belief? Well, I do. Uh, I mean... Uh, we joined a synagogue, my wife and I, uh, mostly so that our kids would have some basis in uh, in our heritage, uh, and they can then choose later whether they want to be observant or if they just want to make fun of religion. Either one is fine with me as long as they're good people. So I have become more involved in religion. I love the community, as I say. I love the ethical system. The belief, I am still an agnostic. I, uh, I would say I'm still a fence straddler aware. You know, maybe God exists, maybe he doesn't. Mm -hmm. But you've learned that gratitude and, you know, I guess, what about loving everyone? I guess is that your, where you express your gratitude is like, I love the person who did this for me or who's, who's brought the food here. Is that kind of uh, your approach to it? Exactly. I mean, uh, yeah, the, the Bible has got some tough ones. Love your neighbor, but also love your enemy. I mean, that one mm. is, whew. So in that one, I, I found uh, I couldn't really love my enemy, but forgiveness oh. is also very important to your happiness. So like holding on to those grudges, it may, be, it may feel good in the moment, but it really wears you down. Mm. So just, you know, forgiveness, let it go as much as you can. Uh, and of course, I still have, I still have the asterisk when I say to someone, "I forgive you." I still remember what they did, mm. but I tr I try to make that asterisk as small as possible. Now, do you find it harder to forgive someone else or to forgive yourself? Mm. That is a good question. I gotta say, forgiving yourself is also a key to happiness. I mean, you you talked about it. Uh, on your, I think it was your last podcast where you were talking about how you lost a game of handball and, yeah. and instead of dwelling on it, you have to, you say, all right, here's what I'm going to learn from it. Right. And I thought that was great. I think that's so true. You know, if you beat yourself up, then you, uh, you, you, you're just going to cripple yourself and you're not going to get anything done. Are you the type of person that beats himself up a lot or have you shifted or did you ever well, do that? Yeah. 
I think constitutionally, I am very good at beating myself up, <laughs> <laughs> but I make a I make a solemn effort not to. I, and and I think you can change your personality. I do think that that's one of the things I've learned from all these experiments is that you can make yourself happier, more mm. you can make yourself less obsessed with beating yourself up. Mm, okay. So what's the so to close the chapter on the spirituality? What's the biggest takeaway you? you learned from that, that year and from practicing everything from then until now, what's the biggest thing you took away? Partly the gratitude. And the second part is the idea of fake it till you make it, mm. uh, which was huge in this experiment and all experiments. Cause think about it this way. Like if you, uh, I hate visiting the hosp- hospitals, but I had a friend in the hospital. I just didn't want to. Uh, but I, I asked myself, what would a good person do? And I acted as if I were a good person. So that's the key, act as if. And I forced myself to go to the hospital. And once you're there, it sort of tricks your mind. And you're like, oh, I'm in the hospital visiting a friend. I must be compassionate. And you become a little more compassionate. Mm-hmm. And they talk about this in cognitive behavioral psychology all the time. You know, it's the, the idea if you force yourself to smile, the studies show it tricks your brain. You become a little bit happier kind of creepy but it works so that's the idea there's a great quote by a guy who founded habitat for humanity which is it's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting so (laughs) this was a huge like like this happens all the time in fact today it happened you know you have a crisis of confidence you're like i don't know if this book is going to work out this you know this business is not uh this uh, it's too much of a long shot but you force yourself to act in a confident way i force myself to send emails to to you know clients saying how great i think this is going to be and you kind of convince yourself so that's a really important tool is the idea of self-delusion almost. Fake it till you make it. The upside of self-delusion. I love it. I mean, we can't all think, you know, positively right away, but if we're acting like we're positive and doing things, then, you know, hopefully it'll translate into the feeling and thinking that way also. And oh, yeah. I saw, I, I saw, I saw a video recently on, on YouTube from some research where they said that people's, the people are the happiest when they're expressing public gratitude for someone they care about. Oh, that's nice. And I was we were I was watching the video of, of people going through this experiment of them having them call someone that they love and tell them how much they appreciate them. Right. And to sh- to see them light up and hear the reaction of their friend or their family member whoever it was was truly inspiring and they were just like I feel so amazing, I'm so happy. And they had some research and some study behind like doing this will increase your happiness by a certain percentage or whatever, but it was powerful to witness uh, people actually doing it and kind of see the transformation instantly from average mood to like super happy. So I think it's interesting that that was the biggest thing, one of the biggest things you took away from the spirituality and considering that was in the spirituality you know, zone that you were in, that gratitude was what the biggest thing you took away. Right. So Well, it, it kind of reminds me, I did another experiment called Radical Honesty. And this is a movement that was started by a psychologist in Virginia who believes that you should never lie. But he goes further than that. He says, whatever's on your brain should come out of your mouth. There should be no oh filter. It's like, so it's like that Jim Carrey movie. It was, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's insane. So, Did you do that? I did it for two months. Oh, my it, gosh. 
And in many ways, it was the worst two months of my life. Because, <laughs> you know, you had to say, I had to say to my uh, my wife, you know, the classic, do I look fat in this? You have to say, yeah, you oh look like a whale. Like, it's, it's the horrible. You know, I had to tell my boss I'd rather be doing something else. You know, I had, so there were many, many parts that were terrible. Oh, we had, we saw this uh, friend of my wife's, for, uh, she was friends with her in college, and we saw her at a restaurant. And the friend said, oh, we should all get together and have a play date with our kids. And I had to say what I was thinking, which was, you seem very nice, but I, I, I'd be happy never to see you again because oh I just don't have time oh to see gosh. my real friends. So no offense. But unfortunately, she did take offense. So uh, <laughs> that, I learned that, that there are parts that you want a filter. A filter mm. is a good thing. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host so listen we all know life is full of yada yada like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print and i know you've dealt with yada yada before like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else and yes it is possible to outsmart yada yada like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is all already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there to too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But I practice what I like to call positive radical honesty, which is just what you described, which is we sometimes never express to friends or mentors or family what, what we're gra grateful for. So I would I, one of the best parts of that experiment is I called the guy who hired me for my first job and told him how thankful I was. And I think he was a little freaked out because, you know, men aren't supposed to do that. They aren't supposed to express their emotions so openly. But, uh, but I also think he was happy about it. And I know I was. I know I felt a lot better. And I, and I still, when I think about it, it makes me, it makes me feel good. So I recommend that. Just what you said, calling 
mentors, old friends, and just saying, uh, you know, thank you. You meant a lot to me. And what I think is cool is for the last, I think, year or year and a half on my voicemail, if if you ever call me and I don't pick up, you'll hear in my message that I say, you know, leave a message, but before you do, let me know what you're most grateful for today. And it's always fun for me to just get voice messages and everybody's like, oh my God, I'm so grateful for this and this and this. And then it's like, whatever they were calling me about, is it's a better moment, you know, whatever it may be. So I really like I love that idea. I have not <laughs> called you. I like that. I'm going to do that. I, it's better than my other friend who said, uh, leave a voicemail. I'm never going to listen to it because who uses voicemail? So if you need me, send me a text or an email. Exactly. That's <laughs> hilarious. Um, okay, cool. Well, I appreciate uh, the share on that section. Now I want to move into the body. Yes. And you wrote another book. You're an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. And you wrote another book that is very powerful. It's called Drop Dead Healthy. And I love all your 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 taglines for all of them. It's like the hum, one man's humble quest for something, and it's uh, I love how you're humbly like learning how to perfect something. It's hilarious <laughs> to me. So drop dead healthy. I'm, I am the humblest man in the world. <laughs> I am so humble. You cannot believe it. Uh, so yes, funny. drop dead healthy. Now uh, this book is a New York Times bestseller, right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. I saw I saw it in the airport. I think I still see it in airports all the time and it's, you know, all over Barnes and Noble. But you wrote this book and it was another experiment and you took was it a year long, correct? Actually, it was like 2 years. I needed a lot of work <laughs> on my body. <laughs> two my body years. was in good shape. Yeah. <laughs> so what was what was the goal for you? Spend 2 years and do the research on how to become the healthiest person alive, right? Right. That, that was the idea. Cause I'd say, you know, this was three years ago. I was in terrible shape. Uh, I wasn't skinny. I wasn't a uh, fat, fat. I was skinny fat. So mm. it's just the, the body shape where it's like a snake that swallowed a goat. <laughs> and, but I, I was sickly all the time, no energy. So I decided I'm going to try to get healthy. I'm going to test all the medical advice I can find. So thousands of tips. I'm just going to take do what I can to change my diet, exercise, stress level, sleep, sex life, posture. How do I go to the bathroom? I changed that. (laughs) You went to the extreme. I went every, every corner of my body. That's right. Every crevice. So tell me what were some of the craziest experiments, maybe two or three of the craziest things you did. And let me hear about those. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, I got, this was like three years ago, so it was just when the paleo movement was starting. Mm. So I got in on that a little, and I hung out with uh, some of New York's top cavemen, and we did a caveman workout where we went out to Central Park, and no shirt, no shoes, uh, and we tossed boulders around, Uh, we climbed trees, and we... uh, you know, a lot of people say, oh, did you drag women by the hair? No, we did not do that. But, uh, but we, we ran and sprinted as if we were being chased by the saber-toothed tiger. So that was one. Uh, all the way to the other end, there's something called calorie restriction, which is a, a group of people who believe that if you eat very, very little, like if you're on the verge of starvation, almost all the time, you will live a lot longer. No way. You will live to over 100 years old. No way. There's some evidence that they might be right. Certainly in mice and monkeys, there's there's evidence. We haven't proven it in humans. I mean, the question everyone asks is, you know, yeah, you'll live longer, but 
who the hell wants to live longer? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that. If you can't have a waffle once in a while. <laughs> right, right, right. I like. But I did. I went to the house of the guy who started this and, and had a, we, our dinner was a literally a blueberry for the appetizer and a walnut for the main course. Shut up. So it was a very uh, bizarre because you know out there there's so much crazy stuff you can do you you can find someone who says that you can literally find someone who says a hole in the head is good for you and they drill holes in their head to change your electronic currents so you got to be very careful with who you listen to to let the brain breathe or something right or whatever yeah whatever science they come up with exactly wow so what would you feel like was the best um, format for you to live a healthy life then? Was it doing something extreme and caveman, CrossFit, paleo style, or was it uh, living more of a balanced life and being well, aware? If it, I think it's what you, whatever you love, whatever makes you happy. So there are people who love the paleo, who love uh, Tough Mudder, and that, that's great. If they love it, then, then that, and that's going to help them exercise. That's great for me. Not as much. I'm, <laughs> I I enjoy you know athletics, but to a to a more moderate degree. Uh, but I think we all know that you you can't sit on your butt all day. You have to move. So how do you do it? What I love is my treadmill desk. Uh, you probably read about them. Mm, yep. It's a, tre- a treadmill, and I just put my computer on top. And I walk all day long, and I write while I walk. It took me about 1,200 miles to write the book. And since then, I've probably walked about 2,000 miles while writing. And I love it. And it keeps me awake. It keeps me energized. Now, if I'm sitting at a desk, I tend to get sleepy. So I uh, And you can't get sleepy on the treadmill or else you're going to go (laughs) off the back. So you you wrote the entire book on the treadmill, right? Right. Um, probably, you know, most of it. I wouldn't, there were times I had to sit down, but, uh, right. but most of it. Yeah. And, uh, so that I recommend a lot. And, and I have, I'm very also into the quantified self movement, the idea that you keep track of everything. Really? Uh, yeah. So uh, the, fuel, the Nike fuel band or whatever. Exactly. Nice. I'm actually, uh, I use the Fitbit, the same idea. Uh-huh. And you know what else I find is, uh, is when I, I wear the Fitbit while I'm walking on the treadmill to try to get as many steps per day because my goal is t- at least 10,000 steps per day. And uh, uh, I'm, I have a group of friends who are also Fitbit users, and we compete with each other. We have a little circle. And so uh, I, uh, some people find competition very uh, inspiring. I am one of them. Uh, other people find it a turnoff, but but if you find competition to be good motivation, I really recommend getting one of these uh, trackers and and then competing with your friends because then they they trash talk you and you get the <laughs> and you get to trash talk them and it is just very it's just a delight. I mean that's what keeps me moving is the the thought that at the end of the day I can make fun of my friend Paul. <laughs> <laughs> now, why is it valuable to track everything? that you do throughout the day in order to keep uh, a healthy life as opposed to just saying, I'm going to do this, you know, five times a week and work out and stay healthy. Why is it important? Well, because the studies show that the more you track, the healthier you behave. So if you weigh yourself every day, then you're going to be more aware of what you're eating. And if you have a pedometer, you walk more. 
So it's just a, an incentive uh, to act in a healthy way. Hmm. It's kind of almost, almost like a game then. You're like game, gamifying your life and you're, oh. like try, you're trying to get it to the next level, the next, you know, get the, mushroom, get the mushroom and up your life or whatever it may be and, <laughs> you know, become, become, exactly. become invincible. You know, That's right. Stuff. Mario was in very good shape. Right? <laughs> you know, most plumbers are fat and they're showing the crack. <laughs> you never see Mario's crack. Exactly, exactly. So tell me about what's the biggest thing that holds people back from living a healthy life? I think the idea that they have to go to extremes, uh, as you say. I think that little uh, changes can make huge differences. So even if you just, if you have to sit at a desk all day, just promise yourself every 30 minutes you're going to get up and walk around for a couple hours that does wonders for you or if you uh you know you don't have time to eat healthy because you got a job that's all day so you end up going to mcdonald's like just try to buy nuts one small thing you know or try to uh, buy frozen vegetables i mean that literally if you have a microwave frozen vegetables takes 90 seconds mm. and you be eating something so just don't be intimidated don't set the bar too high just start with as they say baby steps and mm. steps are good as you know yeah they are now why did you allow yourself to be you know skinny fat and out of shape and you know not healthy in the first place what was it that you told yourself mentally or where were you at spiritually at that place because to be out of shape well, I think partly it's I'm married, and so I don't really care if I have a six-pack. <laughs> right. It's not going to do me any good. So I was like, ah, eh, who cares about the body? But that's a bad way to look at it because the body and the mind are, are so dependent on mm -hmm. one another. Mm -hmm. And all these studies, there's a great book called Spark by a Harvard psychologist that talks about how when you, are, when you do athletics, you are smarter. Like it actually raises mm. certain neurochemicals I like in your that. brain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll take that all day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, since I was, you know, there's always been the stereotype of the dumb jock. And since I was not a jock in high school, I was like, all right, that sounds good to me. But it turns out the science is the other way. It's like the smart jock. Mm. You should be, you should be out there, uh, exercising because that helps you concentrate and, uh, and it actually makes you smarter. I guess if you're, you know, if you're on the, the hockey rink all day and have no time for reading, that's when you get into trouble. But right. if there's a balance, you really are better off if you're moving around. Right, right. I love it. Yeah, I mean, for me, the body, like you said, is so, it's so important to have a healthy body. In my, in my mind, to be at the highest performing body that you can be on all levels because that's going to increase my productivity, my creativity, my connection to the world because I'm going to feel better about myself and then mentally I'll be able to have better thoughts. Yeah. And um, it kind of works together hand in hand. That, with, with and that. that's the way I feel. I mean, you got you can't look at it uh, working out as a waste of time. You can right. you, know, you have to look at it like here's a half an hour that's actually going to increase my productivity. I won't be working for that half hour, but afterwards it will make me more productive. Right. Exactly. I love it. Now I want to transition into the know-it-all, which yes. is, which is where you, <laughs> I don't know how you read so much, but you read, you read the, <laughs> well, I had no life. That, was, that helps. 
you read the entire encyclopedia, right? From yeah. A to, from yeah, A to Z. Exactly. And it was your one man's humble quest becoming <laughs> the smartest person in the world. And uh, <laughs> I just love the titles. And so you read the entire encyclopedia and you have a picture of it somewhere. I think I saw a TED speech of you talking about and showing a picture. And I was just like, I haven't read, you know, that much from one book in my entire life of the encyclopedia <laughs> that you read in all those. So it's very impressive what you've done to the extremes. Now, now, why did you want to become the smartest person in the world? Well, I didn't actually want to become the smartest, but I certainly wanted to get better from where I was because I felt... And this was a, about five, ten years out of college, and I felt I was forgetting everything I learned in college, uh, and I was spending too much time watching The Simpsons and South Park. <laughs> so I thought, you know, let me let me see what uh, if I can try to improve my brain. And I got the idea from my dad because he started to read the encyclopedia when I was a kid, but he didn't finish. He made it up to the middle of the letter B, like around Boomerang or Bolivia. I don't know where it was exactly, but I thought, okay, let me see if I can finish what he began and and try to uh, become, you know, stuff all the knowledge that I can into my brain. And so that's what I did. I read for a you know, eight hours a day. And I drove my wife crazy with all of my, uh, my extraneous facts. She started to find me $1 for every irrelevant fact I inserted in the conversation. So I'd be, wow. I don't know, we'd be talking about like animals and I'd be saying, Oh, you know, opossums have 13 nipples. And she'd be like, okay, that's, that's a dollar. You are not allowed wow. to say things like that. I did not know that, but now it's a good fact. <laughs> 13 nipples. Exactly. That's that is amazing. very important. In a circular pattern, FYI. <laughs> oh my God, this is awesome. Oh man, you must be like really good at Jeopardy or something, right? Well, I did go on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire as no part of the way. book. No way, did you? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and it was, uh, I did okay. I did, uh, it, was, it was interesting because the nemesis in the book is my brother-in-law, my sister's uh, brother, and he is... I think he'd be okay with me saying this. He is a bastard. He is just really <laughs> cocky. He's a true know-it-all. He's always making fun of me. So I got on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and he was my lifeline. Mm. And I got to this biology question, a $32,000 question, and I, I didn't know it. So I was like, oh, finally, he can help me, because he was a biology major at Harvard. Uh. I'm like, all right, thank God. So I called him, and he totally blew it. He totally choked. He didn't know the answer. So I, it was bittersweet because I humiliated myself on national television, but I brought him down with me. <laughs> so it was like, uh, uh, you know, and ever since I keep asking him for my $32,000. Wow. So you, did you use another lifeline or did you go with an answer and, and not get it right? Yeah, I went with an answer and did not get it right. So uh, what, what, what was I, the, what was the question in the answer? In the answer? The, right the question answer. was, what is the meaning of the word erythrocyte? And the choices were something like uh, white blood cell, red blood cell, serum, or platelets. What was the real answer? What do you think? What's your guess? Maybe I should have called you. Oh, man, <laughs> say, say it one more time because I'm like not even. Red blood cell, white blood cell, serum, or platelets. And it's uh, what is the meaning of the word erythrocyte? Erythrocyte. The, I would take C. Which was what? I don't even know. Platelets? No, the other one. Play was the last one. What was the third one? Oh, serum. Yeah. That's what I went with, too. You and I, we are wrong. It was <laughs> red blood cell. So I'll never wow. forget that. I will never forget that one wow. fact. I've forgotten the most of the facts, but not that one. But I will tell you, 
it, it was very. I just wrote a piece on LinkedIn uh, about the best four most important business lessons from all of history because I did take away wisdom among the. Uh, along with the the possum nipples, there was some actual <laughs> wisdom. So, uh, what are those four uh, lessons? Well, one of them is just you got to embrace rejection. Not if mm. if not embrace it, at least expect it. Because history, you just read about there's so many people who were just rejected over and over and over again, but they had perseverance and they finally found one person. That's all it takes who believed in them, and and then they were able to put out their product that changed the world, like Chester Carlson, the inventor of the Xerox machine. Everyone was like, no way, who cares? Turned down by 20 companies and, you know, now then it changed history. There's the the whole idea of adapt or die. That's a very important idea. They call it pivoting now a lot in uh, when you, you know, in the entrepreneurial world, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you you really have to be nimble. So if something's not working out, you have to change direction and you have to be good at that. And there's one story that sticks in my mind. There is this guy, um, Thomas Welch, who was a, a minister in the 19th century. And he was really into uh, anti-alcohol, the temperance movement. So he invented this. He thought it was terrible that people were drinking wine in church. So he developed non-alcoholic wine. He called it Dr. Welch's unfermented wine. And it was grape juice. But it flopped. No one cared. No one wanted to drink grape juice in the, the churches. But then his son took over the business and was like, you know, this fake wine thing is not working. Let's just market it as a tasty treat for mm. kids. And and as you know now, like, you know, every kid in kindergarten has a, a juice box. So that was a brilliant way to just shift your focus. Mm. Amazing. And uh, I'll just give you one more, which was uh, the idea of, of chutzpah or cojones, I guess is another way to say it. You, you know, you, none, of the, none of the great historical figures were discovered or, or, or made an impact by saying in there in their rooms. You know, you have to get out there. You have to network. There's one story of the famous poet Langston Hughes, who was a he was a waiter at a, a hotel in Washington, DC. And this and he and this very famous poet came in to have breakfast and Langston Hughes slipped his poems to the famous poet with his breakfast. And and that's how he got discovered. And so sometimes you just have to take wow. those risks and put yourself out there. You got to have balls. You got to have balls. <laughs> and, and you got to believe in yourself first in order for anyone else to be enrolled in believing in you. Exactly. Or at least pretend to believe in yourself. Fake it till you make it, like you said. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So that was your, that was your quest about becoming the smartest person in the world. And then you have another quest that was your life as an experiment. And this is all about improving yourself. And uh, tell me a little bit about that one. Well, that one was sort of a series of experiments where I tried to um, do more of a month-long lifestyle change and see how that happened. I was uh, this was many years ago, so I I decided to try to outsource my life. So I hired a team of people in Bangalore, India, to do everything for me. So they answered my phone and answered my emails for me, and they argued with my wife. And this was the greatest month of my life because I just sat back and read books and movies. And our mutual friend, Tim Ferriss, actually, he, he excerpted that. That was an article in Esquire, and that, that makes up the eighth chapter of his book. Uh, really? 
four hour bot, four hour, four hour work week. Work week. Yeah. So he used so your, that, he used your book as an example or he just uh, reprinted the article. Oh, wow. That's uh, awesome. So, uh, yeah, it's funny for a while there. I was, uh, like almost every other person who, who knew about my work was from, from Tim. Tim. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was such a big uh, book. And, uh, and another one was I tried George Washington when he was a kid. He wrote 110 Rules of Life, a young man, not a kid. And so I tried to follow those and, uh, and be a better person. And I'll tell you, the one of George Washington's that made a big difference in my life, it's a weird one because it wasn't one I expected. It was uh, to, to have good posture. That mm. guy is like... He was famous in the colonies for having really good posture, standing up straight. And so I tried it, and it made me feel different. It made me feel more confident and, and more energized. And it turns out just he was ahead of his time because there are Harvard studies just in the last few years that if you stand up straight in a power position, like uh, shoulders back, chest out, it actually affects your testosterone level, you and you become more confident. So, uh, so yeah, I, there's a great TED talk about that. By the way, I forget the name of the psychologist, but she talks about. I remember the this the power position. She had like pictures of you know different people, you know, with their arms out or their arms behind their head, and you know the different power positions you could be in. Yeah. Um, that's the one. It was amazing. Yeah, I forget what it was called too, but it was a great one. So that changed my life, you know, just trying. That's, that's, that goes back to the same idea of fake it till you make it. If you, if you walk or carry yourself in a way that's sort of bold and, uh, and open, then you will become more bold and open. Mm. So what do you feel like is, why were you on this journey? Well, partly it's the idea of curiosity. I love I once interviewed Alex Trebek of Jeopardy, and he said, I'm curious about things, even those things about I don't care about, which I thought was a nice quote. So that's my idea. Like, There's so much in the world that's fascinating. You just got to dive in and learn about it. I think also I do believe that in terms of improving yourself, the best way is to just do it, you know, sort of the, the whole <laughs> the Nike sure. idea, just, just dive in and and experiment. And sometimes it's going to be a huge failure. And sometimes you're going to make your life a hundred percent better. Mm. So it's all about just, uh, just testing things out. And there's lots of science about if you do something different, it's better for your brain. Otherwise your brain sort of creates these ruts, these neural neurological ruts. So even if it's just going, brushing your teeth with a different kind of toothpaste, uh, every, uh, every week or, or taking a new way to work uh, so you don't get stuck in the same pattern. To me, that's one of the keys to happiness. Mm, I think I, I think there's a documentary called happiness on Netflix that, talked about that is doing something oh, really? doing something. Yeah. It's actually very interesting. It's doing something different every day. Uh, you know, brushing your teeth with your left hand as opposed to your right, whatever it may be. And so they, mm. and they interviewed them and said, what was the key to being living long? And they said, being healthy, I mean, sorry, being happy, right? staying happy. And so they said, okay, how do you, how do you become happy? And they said, you know, a big part of their happiness was community. And connection and being part of the community. Also, they said sleep was a huge part, and they, they they take lots of naps throughout the day. They, you know, one of the women was like, "I, I drink one shot of sake every night to put me, <laughs> to put me to sleep by nine o'clock," 
I will tell you that's that's certainly one of the conclusions I found from the year of living healthily. Uh, in fact, there's this this disease called orthorexia, which is when you're too obsessed with being healthy. It's an unhealthy obsession with eating healthy food because you can, it can and that can cause stress. And so if you are so obsessed with being healthy and working out that you can't go out to dinner with your friends because they don't have the right food, you know, that's not healthy because being part of a community, having friends, that's very important. So, you know, when you go out to dinner and uh, you're you're being healthy, so people should not feel guilty about going out to a restaurant. I would say my biggest fear is, well, I'm very, uh, I think I'm fearful of lack of control, especially with my kids. You know, I don't know. There's so many factors. What's going to happen to them? Uh, is something bad going to happen? But <clears throat> I think one of the keys to happiness is, is that you, you have to realize you, you don't have total control and you have to accept that. It's a horrible fact, but, but luck plays such a huge part in our lives. And, uh, and if we just accept that, we'll, we'll be a lot less stressed out. So that's what I'm working on. Because I do believe, like, you know, you can... You can do everything right, but just get a bad break. And, uh, and, and I think that helps. If you have that mindset, it helps to be more compassionate to people who, who did get a bad break. You know, mm. they, you know if, if you're uh, unemployed and you know, at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder, it's not because you're lazy necessarily or dumb or a bad person. It often has a lot to do with, with your luck. And you do make your own luck to some extent. But you can't make your own luck entirely. Mm, interesting. What do you feel like is your your purpose and your vision for the rest of your life? Well, i I am happy and I am happiest when I know that the work I'm doing might be helping other people. I, I, you know, this sounds cheesy, and I would never have said this when I was like in my twenties or even in my thirties. But now I'm in my forties, and I'm like. <laughs> You know, that is, it, it, when I get emails from people saying, oh, I, I, you know, your book on health made me want to become healthier, your book on, on the Bible made me more grateful, that is like gold to me. And then I, so if I can keep doing that, and uh, then I will be a, uh, I will die a happy man. Now, now, what is it about that feedback that you love so much? And why do you live for that, uh, you know? to be of service to serve others in your journey? Well, there is some scientific data about how, you know, helping others is actually feels, you know, gets the pleasure centers of the brain, the old reward centers that they, the same ones that, that cocaine lights up uh, are lit up by helping others. And it's called helper's high. So I guess that's what I'm trying to go for now, the helper's high. It's all, so it's, so it's not about other people. It's just getting me high. I want to finish with the final question, which is, what is your definition of greatness? Two words, Lewis Howe. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but aside from that, I think it would be, it would be, uh, I, I think a sense of passion, uh, because it, that is, uh, Everyone I read about in the encyclopedia, if they, the great things they did were motivated by a passion, and many of them was a passion to help others. You know, help yourself and help others. So, to me, that's like the key ingredient. 
It's ajjacobs.com is my website. And uh, I also am on Facebook slash AJ Jacobs, AJ Jacobs, Twitter, the whole thing. I'm on all those various media outlets. Awesome. Well, so make sure to connect with AJ everywhere he is online. And uh, check out his books if you were inspired by any of the information he shared with you today about uh, the body, about the life experiments, about the intellectual mind. Go ahead and check out his books. They're all on AJJacobs.com. AJ, thanks so much, man. I appreciate you. Oh, thank you. I love being on. And uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. And there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode with AJ. Super smart guy. I love his stories and his approach to life. And I hope you guys are really stepping it up in your lives, doing whatever it takes, going anywhere and everywhere to get the most out of your mind, body, and spirit. And again, AJ is just a great testament to some of the experiments that you can take for yourself each day uh, to get to the next level for yourself. Achieve those dreams and really take it all to where you want to be in your life. So, hope you enjoyed this. Please check out schoolofgreatness.com for the show notes. And also, if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you shared it with your friends over on Twitter or Facebook or Google Plus or Instagram. You know, post a picture of of uh, on Instagram where you're listening to this episode. I would greatly appreciate it. And with that, guys, you know what? You guys know what to do. You guys have been here before. You know what to do. All you got to do is go out there and make sure to do something great. can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of seventh generation. Find seventh generation laundry detergent in fresh lavender and other scents at seventhgeneration.com. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. 
There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.